1: What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you here on Wednesday evening, one night after the Los Angeles Clippers finally beat the Los Angeles Lakers. Brandon Marcus, your host, joined by my co-host, Matt Matt Mattawarren, back on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Matt, how are you, my friend?
2: Sports Ethos Clipper Nation. Brandon Marcus, how the heck are you? I'm doing great. Clippers are back on the right side of the ledger versus the Lakers across town well same stadium for one more season rivals so I'm feeling good
1: if you happen to hear some yelling or crying in the background we just put our kid to sleep so um, just a warning there Um, hopefully it doesn't pick up but just a heads up Um, listen finally a win over the Lakers and when you and I recorded the podcast we did not know that LeBron James was not going to play Um, and you who did know that they he was not going to play the Clippers because they surely showed it uh, throughout some of that ball game yesterday, it was a wild contest. Uh, before we get into it, of course, as we always say on the beginning of the podcast, if you can rate and review the podcast, give a five-star rating, review the podcast as well, we would greatly appreciate it. And also a shout out to our friends over at Believe, great to be partners with them. We are one of a about seven or eight podcasts that have now um, joined force with them from Sports Ethos. So a shout out to our friends over at the Kings podcast as well um and a couple other podcasts um but the kings one is the number one that i can think of so let's get into it let's get straight into it matt uh the clippers win they beat the lakers 127 to 116 just overall your impressions from the game we won't get into individual performances per se but just overall your impression from the win um last night
2: so there are obviously some good and some bad things um uh, throughout the game the good of course was the like we we, we keep talking about this stick-to-itiveness sort of nature of the clippers where they can they can they can get a lead they can take a punch they tend to let teams back in unfortunately uh be it because of poor defense or lack of execution or turnovers uh some some pretty horrific turnovers in this one mm-hmm. uh but they were able to weather the storm because the lakers kept coming back and coming back and you know the, uh, having the lead it was it was it was dicey for for a while. But because of Kawhi Leonard, uh, James Harden, Westbrook, uh, PG chipped in a bit uh, with some pretty good shooting. Uh, so And coffee, of course, was big. I know we said we weren't going to go into individual performances just yet. But just that stick-to-itiveness and norm just to get the Clippers over the hump was nice to see that, of course, towards the end of the game, the Clippers could put the Lakers away. The bad was defense was not great. Rebounding, especially on the offensive end, second chance opportunities were horrific. Anthony Davis uh, and Vanderbilt were able to do pretty much whatever they wanted inside. Just you could really see in this game, I think more than any of the other ones that we've watched so far, or at least that I have, how much Zoo was missed and will be until until he comes back. Just because Plumlee couldn't do much, I really couldn't do anything, uh, Tice, to his credit, you know, gave gave it a go, but couldn't really do much of anything. And like I said, the bigs for the Lakers, the size just really, really, really bothered the Clippers on both ends of the floor. You know, you could see Kawhi have some um, uncharacteristic uh, f- fumbles on the offensive end, and then back on on the defensive end. Like I said, the Lakers grabbed what 13 offensive rebounds, and uh, many of those turned into points. Uh, and that was what, what was really going to kill the Clippers. So that was, that really stood out to me.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you started there because that was my number one impression as well. Um, you and I had talked about it and we said that, listen, defense was going to be a problem because Plumlee and Tice are not the defensive guys that zoo is. And you you know what's part of defense rebounding. It's not just stopping guys initially, but it's once you stop them getting the rebounds and to give up, as many offensive rebounds as the Clippers did, when you get 13 offensive rebounds, six to Vanderbilt, four to AD, and you give a team like the Lakers that, listen, they're not a bad basketball team, but you give them second-chance opportunities. I mean, if it wasn't for the turnovers that the Lakers had, I mean, they had 15 turnovers. If the Lakers wouldn't have been so sloppy, then they, they could have beaten the Clippers. I mean, 92 shots put up by the Lakers last night, 88 for the Clippers, and the Clippers made three more threes, and they had one less turnover. I mean, some of those little things, if they go the Lakers' way instead of the Clippers' way, all of a sudden it's a loss, and you wonder what the game would look like with LeBron. Do the Clippers try maybe a little bit harder if LeBron's in the lineup? Or do the Clippers get a very similar performance, and LeBron is the reason why the Lakers win three in a row against the Clippers? I mean, who knows? Uh, But certainly... The Zoo impact is something that you and I had discussed at length in the last couple of episodes. In fact, we've started our podcast the last two and now make it three with a Zoo. And it just shows you how important you and I believe he is. And in this game, when you don't have a guy like Zoo that is a tremendous rebounder and that is so underrated from him, and you don't have him as that anchor of the defensive end, you can run into some problems. And we saw yesterday the Clippers went small ball again in seven minutes, and they were a plus nine in those seven minutes. That was all in the fourth quarter. Uh, Mason Plumlee was a plus four in his 19 minutes. Daniel Tice was a minus two in his 20 minutes and 49 seconds, and Kobe Brown um, was a zero in close to a minute. And so with the centers, the Clippers were really a neutral, but when they had the small ball is when they are a plus nine, which is so strange, Matt. Like, I mean, you look at it, you would think when you have a center – you'd be better off because you'd be better a rebounder and you would probably have be better defensively. But that wasn't the case yesterday. It was a small ball that seemed to be better. Uh, what do you make of that one? Because it feels like it, it, one of those, it's just an odd, odd situation where the small ball has now been good two games in a row, and that's despite not having really any big rebounders on the floor.
2: Well, at least for this game, you know... At times, they they do say sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. I mean, you look at at Westbrook, he was three of three from downtown. So that always helps. You know, he's only a plus one um, throughout the game, but he was three of three from downtown. And Coffee hit some huge threes too, three of three from downtown. Clippers overall, a bit over 50% from beyond the arc and almost 60% from the field. So when you factor that in, it's... It's the efficiency that they were able to shoot with. Now, I don't know if you can re- rely on that night in and night out, but at least in this case, to me, that's the reason that it worked so well. That, coupled with the fact that Kawhi Leonard, you know, he did have a triple-double, so he was working pretty hard on both ends. And when when things were looking really shaky, he he has taken that huge mid of his, and now he can just steady the ship. I mean, it seems like at any time. And of course, Harden was great with his ten dimes, but it's The shooting was just uh, outrageously good last night for the Clippers, and especially from a couple of guys who you may not expect it from. Even T-Man was 2 of 4 from beyond the arc. So you got some really good contributions shooting-wise. And if that's going to happen in a small ball lineup, then you're typically, I think, going to do pretty well. But if those shots don't fall, then you could find yourself in a lot of trouble because if you're missing those shots, short of like a fluke long rebound, with no big on the floor, you're going to not get really many second chance opportunities, I don't believe. So those shots going in is key. If they don't in the future, then Clippers could be in a bit of trouble. So I wouldn't put all of our eggs into a small ball basket by any means, because it could could really go the opposite direction quickly.
1: Yeah, we we need one of these two centers to step up at some point. Um, But you bring up a good point. I mean, if you shoot this well, you're going to beat teams. And The Clippers shot 59% last night, and they were over 50% from three. And you shoot that well, you're going to win games. And they won by 11. It could have been even more if you think about it, um, if they weren't as sloppy with the turnovers. But you could look at the other way as well, where if the Clippers um, saw the Lakers capitalize on some of those second-chance opportunities, then maybe it would have been a little bit closer. And In this game, the Clippers kind of played pretty sloppily on the defensive end, and they got away with it. Um, I'm curious to see how they go, how they do on this road trip without a center, um, or without zoo rather. And if they go to a lineup without a center and how that works, and I think it's obviously going to be game by game, but overall, I mean, you look at what the Clippers have done now, and then we'll get into come individual performances in the last 20 games that Kawhi Leonard has played, the Clippers are 18 and two. And Justin Wilson put this num- stat together. The Clippers have a 123.8 offensive rating over the last 32 games, which is better than Indiana's mark this season by over two points, which is really incredible if you think about it because Indiana's been outstanding offensively. It just shows you how good the Clippers have been um, in games with Kawhi Leonard. And to be 18-2 and two in the last 20 that Kawhi has played shows you how amazing they've been. And they've won six of the last seven games. Um, it's, it's really unbelievable the position they put themselves in and you said it at the start that we continue to see the Clippers find different ways to win games, whether it's a tremendous shooting performance or falling behind and then coming back or blowing a lead and then coming back and then holding on. I mean, they came back from a huge deficit against Brooklyn they held on in this game where they led the majority of the ball game. They're doing it in, very, in different ways, which is great to see. And no surprise, by the way, to see the Clippers shoot this well, um, given the fact that they shot under 40% last time they faced the Lakers. Like, it, law of averages, something had to even out. The Clippers were not going to shoot that poorly again. Now, 59%. I, I don't think I would have predicted them to shoot that well, but it had to study it out. So, overall, it, it's just fun to see this team win games in different ways. And... It wasn't great last night, but at the same time, we'll look at some individual performances, and overall, the team played great offensively. It's just that when you expect the team to do so well now, Matt, which it goes back to what you asked last podcast in terms of realistic expectations for this team, it's fun to see them win games when they don't play as well on the defensive end. It It is fun, and
2: I mean – Few defensive plays were as egregious as letting Tori and Prince just drive to the rim and get an and one at the end of the half. I was so mad, mm. but um, that was just a defensive lapse or a lapse of con- concentration. Yeah. It and it is it is awesome to see them win in all these different ways, and that's that's what you want, you know, from a from a championship level team, which we can all agree the Clippers are now. However, I will say, it it'll get a little old if this continues to be the case where it's like, Oh, we eked out another one. They found a way to win at the end. They were down big or they let them come back. It would be nice. And I know this is going to be hard uh, until the team is fully healthy, but it would be nice to get some just decisive wins under our belt. Not, not that by winning by 11, um, it, it, it could, be, could be considered pretty decisive, but that was more towards the end. I, I and going on a 22 nothing run against Brooklyn. That's, that's, that's pretty big time, but to have to do that kind of stuff, I just want to make the point that I hope that's not every single time out. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to have to put a cardiologist on retainer or something because I don't know if I can handle it.
1: Yeah, I don't blame you. And just to give you an idea of how well the Clippers played in at least that first half where they were up by 13 at the half, they shot 66% in that first half, had 44 points in the paint. In the last meeting against the Lakers, they had 48 all of or the entire game so 44 and one half versus 40 the entire game that's courtesy of LaMurray at the Athletics so the Clippers just found a way to dominate in the paint which they couldn't do last time and again I think some of this has to do with no LeBron James so when you don't face LeBron James and you're close to a 10 point favorite, you got to win the game. And the Clippers didn't look like they were going to cover that spread. Uh, but then once again, just like they did against Brooklyn, they turned it on late, which is good to see that at least during clutch time, they perform well. Cause you remember Matt last year clutch time was an issue, but it really seems like once it gets to the final five minutes of games, that's when the Clippers really turn it on, which is good to see this year. Um, and something that I don't think we were used to seeing in the past, last couple of years.
2: And I hate to bring up the, uh, the dreaded word, I mean, guys, take a shot every time anybody talking about the Clippers says the word health, but health is a big part of that that clutch, um, that success in the clutch, uh, especially from Kawhi, but then, you know, guys like Paul George, who actually may not be healthy, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, we'll the, get- uh, might have a little groin issue going on from what I understand. We'll get to that. Um, and, you know, and now having Harden, who has been great uh, in the clutch, it just, and, you know, Zoo uh, as well has, has done his thing, and, and then we can always talk about Uh, norm powell who seems to always come up in the clutch coffee seems to be like he's a guy we can you know at least trust in these uh situations when we're missing some people but with Kawhi and pg well healthy knock on knock on wood i think that just lends itself to this clutch atmosphere and it is uh, of what we've been talking about podcast after podcast and it and it's so true just the the clippers taking this this season seriously every single moment of it and when when it comes down to that crunch time and push comes to shove yeah they're really going to lock in they're going to focus in they're going to they're going to play on a string they're going to play as a team they're going to communicate and that's that's going to win to uh lead to winning basketball excuse me speaking of um I don't, i'm just looking at this box score right now you're talking about kobe brown's almost one minute did you at any point because they cut to him a few times when ad was just simply dominating uh at at certain stretches did you think for any moment that uh pajamas himself pj tucker was going to come in
1: no no i I think that he's completely on the outs um i think that he's done with this team and i think they're going to trade him before the deadline i I don't see him playing a single minute for the clippers
2: for the record i didn't think he was going to come in either but I was just curious.
1: Yeah. No, I don't think we're going to see him again. All right. Since we talked about PJ Tucker, let's talk about some individual performances. But first, let's take a quick break.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: All right, so obviously you mentioned earlier the star of the show in yesterday's game was Kawhi Leonard with his second career triple-double, which is weird that he's only had two, by the way. Um, 25 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, 2 steals, and a block. He started off, I believe, 7 of 7 or 8 of 8 from the field. Just absolutely tremendous. He was taking some crazy shots. um, And to do it against guys like Vanderbilt and um, look at guys like Torian Prince and Cam Reddish that all defended him, really impressive by him and continues to show how he is that dude and he is on another level. Um, So a great performance by him. I think the performance that really caught my eye, Matt, was James Harden. And I love to see how aggressive he was early on when PG was subbed out early, which we now know is probably because of that groin issue. Because I wrote down in my notes that Kawhi closed the first with Russ Tice, Powell, and Coffee, And PG was the one to sit early when normally it's actually Harden that sits early. But it makes a lot more sense why it was PG this time around. And Harden had 23 points and 10 assists. And in the first half, he had 20 So only three points in the second half, which I don't love, by the way. I'd like to see him be a little bit more aggressive and not just take a back seat in the second half. But nonetheless, great to see him actually come out and show that he's capable of being that number two to Kawhi's number one. So thoughts on Kawhi and or James Harden.
2: So I I thought Harden was absolutely fantastic, aggressive, still a little iffy from the line uh, this game. Yeah, weird, yeah. Um, So I don't want to say say it's troubling, but it was just something that catches your eye, especially for a guy like Harden. And then with Kawhi, you know, you want to talk about clutch, and we're talking about the lack of a big. I mean, he had 11 rebounds. The next highest was Westbrook, with six. And then Paul George and Norm Powell each had five. And then everybody else didn't. I don't even think anybody else had more than two. So that's just really kind of not that he's not trying to get rebounds, but it's reading the game. See, reading what the team needs. And I think Kawhi is just turning. I mean, he is that Swiss army knife player, but just like magnified. He's a huge, he's the humongous. He's the world's biggest, the Guinness book of world records, Swiss army knife, the biggest one you can get because when the team needs it, you know, if, whether it's scores down the stretch, whether it's locking down on defense, getting deflections, but especially getting those uh, big 11 rebounds. I mean, to me, nothing, nothing more crucial than that. Just with how, how, how much trouble, team was having on the glass and then yeah uh, just to go just to go back to harden himself you know four of eight from downtown a couple of classic step backs but i and i think a spot up from the corner too so he was giving you everything as far as um that you would want from harden as far as shooting is concerned not just the iso stuff but catching and shooting as well so very very nice to see guys playing great together and a little concerned about paul george just uh you know we'll talk about the schedule we'll probably touch on it a little Bit more moving forward or a little bit later in the podcast but you got to think you know there's a back-to-back coming up you got to think he's out at least one
1: yeah and I wonder what's going to happen with him and by the way it's not like he hurt that game against the Lakers he hurt me hurt the groin against the Lakers he's hurt it the game before apparently and so not sure why he wasn't on the injury report with a groin injury Um, be listed as probable or questionable but once again questionable injuries Um, I wish they would be a little more transparent about that, but it makes more sense. I'll be curious to see when the injury report comes out for the next game, if he is on it. I would assume he would be as probable, but we'll see. Who knows? Um, But nonetheless, they said they're managing it, which is really good to hear. And I'll tell you something that's interesting is that normally in the past, when you hear a guy like PG have an injury to his groin, you probably think that he'd be sitting out games. But these guys continue to play. I mean, Kawhi, PG, they want to play. They're playing back-to-back games. James Harden has played in every single game so far for the Clippers. Um, You always see team man on the floor now, ever since he came back from that sprained ankle. I mean, these guys are fighting no matter what to get back on the floor, which is awesome to see. I mean, Norm Powell seems like he's gotten hurt a couple of times, and he's always coming back to get in the lineup. So this team in general is showing that they want to fight and get through. Now that being said, is that good or bad? I mean, it's good if you end up with a one or two seed because it means you're gonna have home court and be a little bit lo- be there um, at home for a little bit longer. But at the same time, are you gonna be a little too banged up down the stretch? And then the last thing, the Clippers are doing a pretty decent job this year of keeping guys um, on schedule, health-wise. And we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens with PG. I think you're right. I'd be surprised if he played in the back-to-back. But that being said, if it's minor and it's just something that's nagging him then maybe he does play in both games of the back-to-back. Frankly, I don't think we have a clue, uh, but it'll certainly be interesting. And yeah, we'll talk about the schedule in just a second. What's interesting to me also, Matt, is that if you would have told me before the game that Kawhi would be 11 of 16, Harden would be 8 of 17, and then you'd also have Team Man 7 of 10, Westbrook 6 of 11, and Powell 8 of 14, I would have thought it would have been an even bigger blowout than an 11-point game, which shows you the deficiencies rebounding and turnover-wise but once again, we see that when one guy maybe doesn't have it initially, and PG, by the way, was 8 of 12, when guy to, one guy doesn't have it initially, that everybody else seems to step up. And we saw that again yesterday where we saw a lot of good performances, man. I mean, obviously, Zoo usually is a part of it, but since the Clippers didn't really have a center, PG, Kawhi, Harden, Mann, Westbrook, Powell, the six main guys the Clippers leaned on yesterday all were fantastic, which is really good to see that this team Continues to be super deadly offensively, which is one of my main take- takeaways from yesterday. Is that consistently this team has been really good from three point range? I think they're number one now in the NBA in three point percentage. I thought so. think I saw Adam Osland tweet that earlier today. So the offense continues to be really good, which is awesome to see.
2: And on the flip side of that, and I do agree, but on the flip side of that three point prowess, actually, Norm only hit one and yeah. the rest of his field goals were from two. Um, he didn't even take a free throw, but I do like seeing him get into the lane and and take some two-pointers because, you know, he's not just this dead-eye shooter, even though he has been this entire season. I I just love to see Norm get in there in the lane, and honestly, Westbrook would have been even more efficient if, you know, two or three times he's, he's going 110 miles towards the basket, and he just, you know, he hits the ball too hard oh off God. the backboard on the layup, and it just bounces off and goes off the front of the rim. That happened two or three times, so... Westbrook would have been even more efficient but I thought he was great Norm was great Coffee was invaluable in his minutes you know those three huge three-pointers the only three buckets he made but the only three we needed from him and then so great glad you mentioned T-Man being 7 of 10 because it's just so great to see him shooting not only well but just shooting again right 10 attempts you'd love to see that uh it it just it's going to be really beneficial and really important for the Clippers moving forward, that he continues to trust, not only trust his shot, but that his teammates trust to to give it to him and that he takes them as well.
1: So T-Man this month um, has played in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 games. Okay. He's shot 50% or better from three in nine of 11 One game he was 0 for 1, one game he was 1 for 4. Every other game he shot 50% or better from 3. So he has been absolutely spectacular. shooting 54% from 3-point range this month. So he has certainly been a reason why the Clippers have done so well. Yes, you have your stars, but you need others to chip in as well, and he certainly has. So I'm glad you brought him up. By the way, funny thing about Norm Powell, you mentioned that he was uh, just 1 of 4 from 3. He was 7 for 10 on his 2s. Meanwhile, Russell Westbrook was three for eight on his twos. And time and time again, the man gets to the hoop at will, but he's just too out of control. It's like, dude, you have Mm -hmm. some easy layups here. Like, just slow it down a tiny bit. You're going a little bit. You're going like 75 to 80 on the freeway when just go 65 and you'll be okay and you'll still get there and you'll get there and you'll finish very, very well. So it's, it's wild. And the one thing I noticed yesterday also with him is that he hit a three and then all of a sudden two or three, the next four possessions, he's like, I got this guys. I got this. It's all, I I hate when he does that now. Um, But at the same time, he's contributing so much offensively at times um, with his ability to get to the hoop and his ability to spread the, spread the basketball. And then what he's doing defensively with steals and blocks and just being awesome and a pest and rebounding the ball. That's like, all right, I guess you, you got to take some of this stuff, some of the bad with the good, because most of the year the good has certainly outweighed the bad
2: and maybe you know maybe he should try playing a full quarter with only one shoe on it it, could help it could it
1: It could it could help that's that possession by the way was crazy because i mean you look at the what vando did on Kawhi. like Kawhi could not get away from him and westbrook was trying to give him the ball then finally westbrook's like all right i'm by myself i'm gonna take the three and he, got, I mean, no, sorry, that was a three-point play that Vando was all over Kawhi. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, in that possession, that's when he was like, all right, fine, I'll go to the hoop and I'll get the layup and I'll get the three-point play. And then, obviously, the, th- the shoe when he was left all by himself with the three, it's unbelievable. So What, Ka-
2: was, the deal, what, was, the, what was the deal with Austin, Austin Reeves turning into, like, Tony Allen on a couple of possessions yeah. where just nobody could get by him, including Kawhi? It was the strangest thing.
1: Yeah, the Lakers played some good defense, man. It, it's weird because they certainly have some of those dudes that are great defensively. And you say, all right, fine, AD and LeBron and Reeves like and Russell, those are four dudes that can really do enough offensively. And you add in guys like Prince and Vando and Reddish, and you think, hey, all right, fine, that should be in good shape. But just rotations have been pretty bad by uh, Dar- Darvin Ham. But listen, not our problem. Um, but le- at least the Clippers got the win. Um, last thing I want to talk about before we look ahead to um, the schedule, the small ball at the end of the game was interesting because – we saw it with Westbrook, Powell, and the three stars um, last game, and then against the Lakers, it was small ball with Coffee, Powell, and three stars. So no Westbrook, but with Coffee. And you've mentioned Co- Coffee a couple times in this podcast. I gotta tell you, man, hats off to him because he's a dude that was sitting on the bench, wasn't playing at all, and now all of a sudden he's a part of the closing lineup. And I really liked what he did. He was able to be confident from three point range and put it up when they needed it. He contributed really well defensively. Um, I, I like this look, and now the Clippers have a couple different looks in small ball, which is really beneficial because it gives Ty Lu, sure, he doesn't want to go small ball with Zoo healthy, probably not, but with Zoo out, gives him a couple different looks he can throw at teams, which I think is going to be beneficial on this road trip.
2: Yeah, and I thought you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned Coffey's preparedness and confidence. Didn't hesitate a moment to take a big three. It went in. And I don't want to say it sealed the game, but I sure felt a lot better after he made that. So, just another piece in um, Tyloo's arsenal that he can feel confident in using, especially when there are certain pieces out of the rotation. You know, right now it's Zoo, and, you know, I'm sure down the line people are going to miss here and there. But to know that there's somebody as capable, as confident, and you know that the other players are going to have confidence in coffee too, and that just makes all the world of difference. Uh, So I I have to echo your thoughts. I thought he was great, prepared, ready to go. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in a few more closing lineups uh, in the next coming week or so.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you're on the floor with the three stars, Powell, I mean, you got to be able to shoot the ball as well. And to have five guys on the floor that can shoot the three, it really makes defenses have to pick your poison. And with the way the Clippers share the ball, it's really dangerous. So good to see. And I'll be curious to see if we see more of it on this road trip. Speaking of which... Oh boy, here we go, man. Seven game road trip starting Friday at Toronto, a 4.30 p.m. start local time um, here in L.A. It's a back-to-back with Boston, which is just really shitty. I mean, I I really wish we would have seen this uh, be a game by itself that wasn't a back-to-back so that who knows if someone's going to rest, i.e. Paul George then you have a game a day break before you take Cleveland on take on Cleveland Monday Washington is on Wednesday Detroit is on Friday Miami is on Sunday so that's good that you've one game in between all those and then you close it with a back to back at Atlanta um, that is one of those that you may think is a schedule loss given it's the seventh game of a seven game road trip and it's a back to back so we'll see um, and then you got to come home you got to face New Orleans which has been a pain in the neck for the Clippers so a really tough stretch here coming for the Clippers and I think we're going to find out a lot about this team on the road. And I'll certainly take five and two, man. Right now the Clippers are one loss back of some of those top teams in the Western Conference. I mean, you lose to Boston and then you lose to, let's say, Miami or something or Cleveland. Um, That'll be a tough one as well. And like I said, Atlanta's a tough one. I think four and three is probably what what we might see out of this team. Um, But five and two is certainly something that I'll take. Curious your expectations and what you're looking forward to on this road trip.
2: Would love to see a 5-2, and two. would love to see a 7-0, no, but a 5-2 and two yeah. would be absolutely fantastic. And, you know, it, it does suck that the Boston game's on the second half of a back-to-back, but just looking at the teams, and you listed a lot of them, or not, if not all, it's going to be so interesting to me to watch the rotations, just because of the different kind of lineups that these two run out. Like, you start with the Raptors, who, they have Pirtle, but he's hurt, so they don't really have a center
1: yeah, small ball. Uh, per
2: se going on. So, it's, yeah, that's just that could just be a... A really quick small ball affair. Then you go up against Boston, who they—I mean—they have been resting one of Porzingis or Horford usually.
1: On a still, though.
2: oh, that's right. So they're still so they could have both of them. They could have one, but they're gonna have some bigs. You go against Cleveland and Mobley's still hurt, but Jared Allen's been playing out of his mind. And if they had both of them, then it would really be interesting to see what the Clippers did. And you just go on down the line. You know, the Wizards, the Pistons, they don't have, you know, the greatest centers in the world, but they do have some young guys. Uh, Bagley's been playing okay since he got traded to the Wizards from the Pistons. Uh, the Pistons have Durin. Uh, then, we, you, know, my, you know, what Miami is.
1: Yeah, so it's just
2: the different kind of rotations that Ty is going to throw out there, who we see getting more minutes, uh, how many minutes those centers in Plumlee and Tice actually do play, how much time Westbrook is getting. Um, if it's just a game flow thing, what the, what these closing lineups is, if it's a consistent small ball closing lineup. I am so hyper-focused on these lineups, I think, is the thing that really interests me the most. the most in these games. And then, of course, you just want to see how the Clippers can, like we were talking about before, how they can find ways to win on a really, really long road trip because not every game is going to be a decisive win, if any, because every game on the road is tough, especially... When a couple of when some are on a back to back and when it's this far this long away from home so that the way that they can figure out how to play and how to win when they're not at home because their home record is great. Clippers have played so well uh, at the Crypt this year, but this is going to be very, very telling about not only the rotations, but really their championship prowess and, you know, what our expectations can really be for this team. Cause if they can survive this road trip with a five and two or even a four and three, but a five and two would just be, then you know that we're really cooking and we got something going here.
1: Yeah. By the way, another benefit of leaving uh, the crypt is that you won't have this Grammy road trip that you uh, always have every year. So, I mean, Trent, Toronto's Toronto going to be tough on Friday, man. It's a team that can score, Um, we've already seen the Clippers um, have some problems with them, with guys like Barnes and Quickly and R.J. Barrett. I mean, they've got talent offensively on that team. And you mentioned it. I mean, the centers are certainly going to be interesting. Boston's not going to be on a back-to-back, so you'd expect Porzingis and Horford to probably play. And then you mentioned Allen. Then you have the Gafford-Bagley combo. Durin, Bam, Capella, and Okongwu. You're facing some pretty solid centers on this road trip. So Plumlee and Tice are going to have to step up. And you're also going to have to see the Clippers take care of business against teams that aren't good. I mean, you you have Washington and Detroit. Both those games are not back-to-backs take care of business in those games um, and I'll see, I'll be curious to see how they do but I think you really need to set the tone in the first game of the road trip at Toronto like you have to get a win in that game because if you lose that game all of a sudden you go to Boston and you have a chance to lose two in a row to start this road trip and then things get really dicey because you're gonna face teams like Miami and Atlanta at the end of the trip and then Cleveland right after that Boston game that can all give you problems so that Toronto game is key for this road trip
2: yeah they're gonna have to gonna have to start off with a bang. Kawhi going back to Toronto is always fun to watch, so I am I am so pumped for that game, and then I'm just as if not more excited for that Boston game. I really, really would love to get some revenge on their home floor yeah. for what they did to the Clippers uh, right before right before the holiday season, right before holidays. So we gotta, I would love to get some some payback
1: yep no doubt about it and we'll be back on sunday and we will recap the toronto and boston games make sure you follow us on x at bd marcus myself at matt matt warren for Matt. of course you can find the sports ethos clippers podcast there as well give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcast review the podcast as well we will read the pot the review on air a big thank you to everybody for listening we'll be back on sunday until then he's matt i'm brandon go clips go clips